Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. First thing I really need to say is just a huge thank you. Firstly, for inviting me. Um, But secondly, just a massive thank you to you uh, as a church, as a group of people, for your support of CYM. Um, It's places like this that genuinely keep us alive. Um, So please keep, please keep supporting, (laughs) please keep giving, please keep praying particularly. Um, Yeah, we we really appreciate what comes and and the faithful prayer that comes from this place. Um, That's really important to us. Um, I'm always blown away when children and young people pray. Are you? Jonah, thank you so much. Do you want to come preach? <laughs> I could sit down and really enjoy it. <laughs> um, that's, that's wonderful when that happens. I just needed to share that. That's, that's grabbed me this morning. Yeah, thank you. I'm just going to... Are there four young people that can come and help me with something? I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise. I promise. But are there four of you that can just come and do a very quick illustration with me? Yeah, good man. Thank you. That's one. Come on, the brave one stepped forward. Yeah, come and join us. Come on. Oh, we're up to three. One more. Brilliant. Thank you. I wonder where we are this morning. I would think there are some people that are this extreme, possibly parents and grandparents, that are going, yes, it's September. School's back this week. I wonder where you guys are, if you're in education at all. I would think there's some people that are going, oh, no, I've got to get up at whatever time again. Um, There's people like us at CYM that are probably about here. Not quite, but probably here going, yes, new school year. Really exciting for us. And uh, one of the things that, that grabs me every year, every academic year, is what are we going to take from this year? What's going to be really important for us? So we're going to play a quick game. Can you, in pairs, face each other, please? It might be best if you stand this way. That's it. So you come backwards. You come in here and face each other. Okay. So when I say the number one, I'd like you to raise your right hand with your finger pointing to the ceiling. So one. When I say the number two, I'd like you to put your left palm out in front of you like that. Perfect. Yeah, that's it. Perfect. When I say three, you're going to put your pointy finger onto the other person's palm. Three. Okay? And when I say four, you're going to pull your left hand as quickly as you possibly can and grab that person's finger. And your right hand, your pointy finger, you're going to try and get away as quickly as possible. Okay, the aim of the game is to grab the other person's finger. Do we make, are we clear? We might ask these guys to do it as well in a moment. Okay, right, so hands by your sides. One, two, three, wait for it, four. Oh, anything? Did anybody grasp? Good, try again. One, two, three, four. Oh, good, okay. How about adults? Why wouldn't you stand up and face somebody? If you want to take part, have a go at this. Face an adult. Number one, finger up. Number two, left palm out. Number three, pointy finger down on the other person's palm. And number four is where we pull away. Okay, good. That was just a practice, clearly. Mr. Pepper's already sat down. Here we go. One, two, three, four. Oh, a bit quick. Okay, good. Thank you, guys. Have a seat. It's something daft, but, but the point I really want to make is, what are you grasping? 
What are you grasping, even today, as you come to church? What is it that you're grasping this morning? As we go to a new academic year for us as, a, as an organization working in schools, what are we looking to grasp? Because sometimes we pull away really quickly. I'm not saying whether one or the other is, is right or wrong, but sometimes we just pull away from stuff. Sometimes naturally we do that. I'll be really honest, there's times at the end of church on a Sunday where I just want to go home. Okay? I don't know if you're that type of person. Sometimes I'm that type of person. The thought of going, and I'll come and spend time with you this morning, I promise. But the thought of going and having a coffee and sitting down sometimes just isn't what I want to do. And sometimes I just want to retreat. That's me as a person. You may not be like that. But actually, sometimes I have to say to myself, Simon, what are you going to grasp this morning? So what am I going to grasp? What am I going to grasp from God's word? What am I going to grasp from a new school year? A couple of quick stories. I had the privilege yesterday of of going down to London. My brother and his wife have just had their third child. They're crazy, but they've just had a third child. And we're Salvation Army. That's our background. That's the the church that we worship in. My brother and sister-in-law are planting a Salvation Army church in in South London. And they have a a group of people. I don't think we could call it a congregation, but they have a group of people that that they meet with regularly. But yesterday, they they took the chance to dedicate Jago to God. And... um, my brother, I didn't realise he was such a soppy fool. I really didn't. After you know, nearly 40 years of, of living with him. Um, but he wrote some just beautiful words for his son. And one of the things he said in there, which just triggered me again for this morning, was, Jager, will you grasp every opportunity that comes along? Already you are full of so much potential. You are beautiful. You are wonderful. You are made by the most amazing God. But will you grasp everything that comes along? I thought that was... A stunning, stunning thing for us yesterday. Am I on this screen now, chaps? Oh, my computer's locked. That's not helpful, is it? Good. So this morning, I'd like to look at something with you which has this word called paraclesis. Um, A lot of this material is material that I've um, encountered in the last year uh, through a series that we went through within my own church. Um, But I want to pull some of that together for you, and I want to share some of my thoughts on that. But before we go any further, there's a very quick, short video that you might like to just watch the screen for. Thank you. So, as we look at this word paraclesis and some of the elements that come from that, we will come back to the feeding of the 5,000 fairly soon. There's a question to pose at you right at at the beginning. Why are you here today? Um, you can answer it if you want to. It's not, it's not meant to necessarily be thrown out there in that way. But I wonder whether you want to think about that, why you're actually here today. I wonder whether you come out of um, a need. I wonder whether you come out of duty. I wonder whether you come actually because you really desperately want to gather with people that share your belief. Why do we come out and do this this morning? Maybe what is your purpose as a Christian? Tough question perhaps to sometimes ask for yourself, but... Um, what is your purpose? Or if, if you don't class yourself as a Christian yet, if you're not a believer, if that's not where you're at in your journey, um, what is it that perhaps a Christian is striving to be or do as you view it? But it's the sort of questions that I think we ask at various stages along our own journeys. The video that you've just watched is about a series that's run by a, an organization called CWR. Um, it's a six to eight session series, you know, DVD-based teaching, and then, and then preaching from people around that. But it also focuses on small group work as well. And it was something that we started in our church about a year ago. And the first couple of sessions in that really impacted me at the point where I really felt they needed to, at a point where we were making change at CYM. I wonder how often you really actually think about your true purpose as a Christian. I wonder how often you think about your role 
in your church. Um, that's something I've pondered a lot over the last year. I'll be really honest with you. Uh, pondered hugely, what is the role that I have in my church? What, what role do I play? What part do I have to play in what our church, the Salvation Army, is doing in Felixstowe? And um, uh, again, being really honest, I've had to remind myself on a number of occasions, it's not about me. It's really not about me. So I'm going to try and pull some of these points together. Uh, one thing that I've learned hugely in this last year to 18 months is that I've had to trust God's timing completely and utterly, more than I've ever been able to do before. Um, but this, for example, this series of teaching just landed at a point where I really needed it. And it was really for me, okay, God, yeah, okay, lightning bolt, I'm listening, I'm here, and, you know, speak to me, where can you use me? And it wasn't just about my personal life as well. Fantastically, it came into the, the whole sphere of, of what we were doing with CYM as well. Um, here are some words that come from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, they're used in this series quite a lot as well. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Acacia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to the God of all comfort. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. There's quite an important word in there. Comfort. Comes back time and time again. And having listened to my own minister's thoughts on this, um, I think it makes sense that we perhaps just understand a little bit of the context of the word paraclesis. Now, we run the risk of this, in, in particularly if there's any Greek scholars in the room. Good. Nobody's admitting to it, at least. But I'm using somebody else's material, so I'm going to claim absence from that. But if you, you know, looking into these things, the word... The words for church and the word for comfort come from the same Greek root. So, there you go. Inspired and built around the Greek word of paraclesis. Klesis has a definition of call, called, or to call. And our English word for church is translated from the Greek word ecclesia. I'm sure you've heard ecclesia before. Ecclesia has two parts to it. So, ecclesia derives from klesis. So, call or called. An ek means out of. Now, not Yorkshire ek, not by ek. Okay? <laughs> ek being out of something. So when it works in that way, ecclesia or church, as perhaps we would understand it, uh, it's a, those people who are called out of. And then if we move on to the word comfort, again, it has the Greek root from this paraclesis. Again, para. So para is about coming alongside. And klesis, as we've said, is call, called, or to call. Are you still with me? Good. (laughs) So paraclesis, comfort. We're looking at this in terms of being called to come alongside. Final bits of this, I promise. So church being the people who are called out of, and comfort being to come alongside. If you like, we're all in this together. We're being called out of something to come alongside others. I am hugely inspired by your missional communities. Um, we get, we've already had, I've already, you know, Sherry's already prayed this morning, but we get to experience some of that at Seaway, which we're hugely privileged about. But this concept of doing stuff where people are, going to them, coming alongside them, being there when they need them is just inspirational. And I, and I genuinely say that. Um, 
Sherry knows this, but just every week, whenever we possibly can, when, when Sherry and the guys have been in our building on a Thursday night, we just, we just come together and we pray for those group of young people. Because there's something amazing going on there. The chances we've had to share with them at, at Sizewell on a couple of occasions when we've had uh, a few days up there, there's just something really exciting going on in those young people's lives. And if somebody hadn't have been called out of this building to go alongside other people, that wouldn't be happening. That's paraclesis. How great is that? Now, there are some churches, I don't know if this will be recorded, but there are some churches I go into and there's blank faces when we say that, okay? Greatest respect. But it's going on here. And that excites me hugely. Uh, Interestingly as well, if you were to look in the King James text, you come across the word parakletos. Does anybody know what that is? Comforter, describing the Holy Spirit. Fantastic. So again, linked into that as well, that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. So in simple terms, Paul was saying to the people in Corinth, that the church is comprised of people who Jesus has called out of the world and placed alongside other called-out people. Paul didn't see the church as this Sunday service. I'm I'm pleased about that. (laughs) He didn't see it as a building. He didn't see it as a denomination. He viewed church as people, people that Jesus rescued out of the world and then placed alongside other rescued people for the purpose of serving him in ministry coming alongside somebody when they're struggling. We all do it in our day-to-day lives, I would imagine, in some shape or other. Um, I was reminded this morning, as, as, as we sang this morning, just the image came back into my head. During the summer, um, four of the, the boys in our family went and climbed Snowdon. Now, my dad had a stroke a couple of years ago. And my dad, having been a PE teacher for 35 years, um, fit, able, confident, um, actually that stroke has changed him. This is a guy who has run marathons, has done all of that sort of stuff. But actually, just his confidence has gone slightly. The confidence in his own ability. And so when we said to him, Dad, you're 70 this year, and my brother, Mark, you're 40, shall we all try and get together for a few days? Yeah, that sounds great. Shall we go and climb Snowdon? Dad went really quiet, really quiet. And me and my brother looked at each other and said, we're getting him to the top. If we have to carry him, we will. And then my, my little lad, 11-year-old you, and then goes, well, I'm coming. If you're going, I'm coming. Great. Here we go. As we're about three quarters of the way up Snowdon on that day, completely misty, we couldn't see a thing. We genuinely couldn't see where we were going. Relying a little bit on information and maps and, and stuff that I'd downloaded, um, there came a point where Ewan and my dad, all of a sudden we realized we're really far behind us. So myself and my brother, chatting away, gassing away, catching up with each other, all of a sudden turn. And there we see an 11-year-old with his arm round his granddad saying, come on, granddad, you can do it. I was like, how cool is that? I remember, I don't look like it at the moment, but a few years ago I ran the London Marathon and I came to mile 20 and I'd had cramp for three miles and it just wouldn't go. And all of a sudden, across the road, come on, son, you've got this. And I looked up and in the tens of thousands of people, there was dad. That's what I'm talking about. Now, that, that was a pretty special moment in terms of me and Dad, but just turning and seeing an 11-year-old going, come on, Grandad, you can do this. And then later on in the walk, I had to do the same. I had to go, come on, Ewan, we can do this together. Come on, grab my hand. I know it's not cool to hold your dad's hand, but you're on a mountain and nobody can see you. So hold my hand. We're going to get to the top together. Coming alongside somebody in the simple ways. I think there's also a realisation that in the process of serving alongside other people as well, we endure difficulties, don't we? It's not an easy ride. 
don't know if there's anybody else here at the moment that's having the most easy, perfect, wonderful life at the moment. Great if you are. I'd love to chat with you afterwards. But Paul knew about the difficulties. He told the Corinthians that the source of comfort was God himself. That he had been sufficiently comforted by Jesus so that he was able to comfort those people himself. So Paul doesn't see God's comfort as an end in itself, but as a means by which we can do the same. We can be the hands and feet of Christ by coming alongside each other. You can be the hands and feet of Christ as you walk out of that door this morning by coming alongside other people. Paul wanted to come alongside the Corinthians with the support they needed, and he expected them to do the same for each other. Now, it may not have been that Paul was using the soothing words, the fuzzy feelings, or the pat on the back that we might associate with the word comfort. I think probably sometimes it was a swift kick up the behind. More than often, perhaps not, a, you know, not perhaps a firm word of instruction, counsel, or direction. So maybe in this context, comfort is a little bit less of that fuzzy stuff, but so much more about being placed alongside others in the body of Christ and doing whatever is necessary in helping others to fulfill God's will for our church. So as we said, we're all in this together. So perhaps paraclesis is another way of saying pastoral care. It's a bit of a phrase that's been used in recent years. Uh, A quick poll. Who in this church is responsible for pastoral care? Would you put your hand up if you have a responsibility for pastoral care? Oh, I heard a little mumbling over in the corner there about something. Yeah. Young people that are in this service, are any of you responsible for pastoral care in this church? Good man. It's not a trick question, okay? But um, I think everybody's hand should be up, yeah? I think everybody in this church should be responsible for pastoral care. I look back to a particular situation a good long time ago now, thankfully, where I um, suffered with quite serious illness. I had the illness, um, some people call ME, chronic fatigue, that sort of thing. I spent a a few years in a wheelchair, and I spent a couple of years on walking sticks. About seven to eight years of, of illness where I didn't work. I had the most massive bugbear and problem with people in my church at that time. I expected certain people to come and visit me, to pick up the phone, to come and check that I was okay. I got pastoral care wrong for me personally in that moment. And I had to live through that. Um, I expected a certain few to step up. I think I got that really wrong. I think pastoral care is massive. I think it's key to the survival of our church, one of the key things. And it's sometimes seen as the sole responsibility of the minister or the ministers, or as somebody who has perhaps been given a title that includes pastoral care in it. And I think sometimes we get that really wrong. Please hear me, I'm not having a go at Burlington. I know nothing about that structure here. But I think generally, pastoral care is something that we all have a responsibility and a part to play in. There will always be people who have that specialist role. There will always be people that need to coordinate that or to oversee something. There will always need to be somebody that you go to when something goes to a certain point. But I think we all have a massive role to play, and I think it can start with all of us. Uh, The second week in this material really focuses on on loving people and uh, recognizing that we all go through hard times or difficult times in life. And uh, one of the key verses in that particular week uses, again, from Corinthians 2 Corinthians 14. And from the message translation, it says, He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times. So that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. 
I wonder if you've experienced that. I wonder if you've gone through a difficult time and in the moment you've questioned that big time. That was me with, with my illness, without a doubt. But on how many occasions have I now been able to speak into somebody's life because of what I went through? And I don't always do it, but I try so hard when that moment happens just to sit down afterwards and go, thank you, God. I wasn't thanking you at the time. I was cursing you at the time. But thank you for putting me through that. Thank you that I'm now able to come alongside somebody else and share in that way. So God turns up and then God places um, people alongside us in the hard times. And then he places us alongside others when they are struggling. So what do we become? We become God's tangible presence in somebody else's life. If you, gra- if you grasp, we said grasp, if you grasp anything from this morning, please walk out of that door saying, I am going to be God's tangible presence in somebody's life this week. I asked you right at the beginning what your purpose was. Maybe that's it. Maybe that helps us to understand. Because this is beautiful. Gathering together is wonderful. I love doing this on a Sunday. I've, I've grown to love it. I, did. <laughs> I had my daughter say this morning, do I really have to go to church? Um, I, I love doing this. I love doing it in a work capacity, but, but also when I get together with my own church community. But it's not just about this, is it? As you demonstrate with, your, with the communities that you work with, is actually when you walk through those doors, what do people see in you? What do people see in me? Are we a tangible presence in people's life? Do they see God? through us. This study, if you ever get to look at it, suggests that we need to create a paraclesis culture in our churches. It looks at different ways of that, but it highlights it through the reading that we heard from the the feeding of the 5,000. I don't know how many times I've heard people speak on this, often talking about the miracle itself, but this particular angle on it actually suggests that the disciples themselves had a chance to come alongside people. And on this occasion, they got it wrong. It's been a busy day. Okay, so try and picture the scene. It's been a really busy day. Jesus has been journeying with his disciples across Galilee. They're together, trying to do church together as a small group on the hillside. Okay, they've got away. They're doing that together, but suddenly their gate crashed by a huge crowd. Such has been the impact of Jesus' ministry that the crowd follows him around the lake. And it says 5,000 men, doesn't it? So I'm confident that if there were 5,000 men in one place, there's probably a few ladies, there's possibly a few children... Way more than the 5,000, I would imagine. But they gate-crash what's going on there. Um, how would you react this morning if 5,000 people turned up at the door? <laughs> Claire's going, what? Somebody will be going, have we got enough coffee? Somebody will be going, do I need to run to the shop? Somebody will probably be going, oh my word. I, I, I'm fairly confident somebody would be quite scared by that thought. What about if even just 500 turned up? Let's take a zero off it. If 500 new people turned up at your door... On a Sunday morning, would you be pleased? Yeah, great, lots of nods, that's great. I'm not so sure the disciples were that pleased. Actually, they asked Jesus to send them away. Said, Jesus, send them away. I wonder what your response would be, honestly. You know, we're all going to nod and go, yeah, that'd be great, wouldn't it, if 5,000 turned up? But if 500 people turned up next week and you didn't sit in your normal seat, because somebody's already sat there, I wonder what our response would be. Now, as we've already said, uh, CYM, we're working in, in schools a huge amount. Um, we've, we've come to get to, to used to it in this country, I think, that in, in our educational settings, we like labels and we like abbreviations for things. Okay? Um, take this, for example, ASD, Autistic Spectrum Disorder. Not only is that a label that comes, and, and 
you know, support and that sort of thing is right for children and young people that need that. But look at all of the other things that then come off it. We love a label. I wonder whether the disciples might have been diagnosed with something on that day. Anybody hazard a guess? And genuinely, I thought this was a joke. This is genuinely there because, you know, obviously if you, tr- you, you go to Google, must be right, mustn't it? Um, but genuinely, there is information out there about this. Anybody, anybody hazard a guess? CDD. Compassion Deficit Disorder. I wonder if that's what the disciples were suffering from at that point. Jesus took a caring and compassionate ethos to the crowd, if you like, a paraclesis approach. Rather than seeing a hungry crowd or a group of problem people, Jesus saw sheep without a shepherd. So what does he do? Things that we can all learn from. Firstly, he accepts. He accepts those people for who they are. Love says that you belong as you are, with all your needs. And I say needs, not problems. Okay? Love says that you belong as you are with all your needs. He validates them. So that group of disciples rejected the crowd. They disapproved of them being there. Jesus acted in a way that showed the crowd that they had worth and that they were worthy of his time and his care. And finally, he reaches out to them. The disciples were dismissive, weren't they? But Jesus invited them in, needs and all. So that word compassion, um, there's a great definition that says compassion is being moved inwardly to get involved, to care and to come alongside. Being moved inwardly to get involved, to care and to come alongside. And again, compassion as a word has a Greek root. Um, The Greek root being um, when you're gripped in the pit of your stomach. We often say gut feeling, don't we? It's often a phrase that we use, but that real tension when something in the pit of your stomach grabs you. I think perhaps if a friend's loved one is sick, you will genuinely show sympathy for that. Yeah? But when your own loved one, somebody very, very close to you is sick, perhaps the difference is you would willingly change places with them. You desperately want to come alongside that person in their pain and comfort them. That's compassion. And that is the culture that we are trying to nurture and grow within our work at CYM currently, especially through our chaplaincy work. Um, At this point last year, I was hoping that we would have a chaplain in two schools, possibly three schools. And I'd hoped that a year on, maybe we might add one person to that. As of tomorrow, that's up to eight schools. I never thought that was going to be possible. Um, We've even had to go to the point of going, okay, we now have to look at our structure because I can't manage this. I can't do this alone. I want to, but I can't. We genuinely said we may have to do some pruning here. We may have to cut back in the schools that we go into, and we may have to upset some people. We may have to upset some supporters to do that. But yet, it's just flourished. And that's nothing to do with me. That's nothing to do with that. It's, it's God. Absolutely God, working in the hearts and the minds of, and lives of people in those schools. We have, massive, we have the massive privilege now of spending even longer The work of CYM in the past has just been phenomenal. Spending time in schools and going and leading lots of stuff, gathering young people together. That's been a phenomenal thing to find out about and see. But now we also have the chance to say, can you spend much longer there? Actually, can you be a fixed member of staff in that school? Can you be there for the staff as well as the students? And I assure you, in the first year, the number of times we've had staff crying on chaplains is heartbreaking, really. Having worked in education myself, it's not a huge surprise, but it's heartbreaking. And the, the issues that we're dealing with, the issues that we're speaking to young people about on a regular basis is horrendous. 
but we are able to be God's tangible presence in that school. I was reminded a few months ago on a, on a course that I went to, somebody stopped me and said, Simon, you're not taking God into that school. God is already there. God has been there way before you, <laughs> and God will continue to be there, but he's inviting you to go and share in that with him. Go and embrace that. Go and grasp every opportunity you can in that situation. Be a consistent presence. And from that, we build relationships and trust. I genuinely believe that. So rather than being visitors into the school, uh, we're coming alongside young people in a very different way. So without realising it or knowing it, or perhaps even knowing the Greek behind it, I've been challenged that CYM is trying to create a paraclesis culture in schools. So we aim to serve and support that school setting. We aim to love everyone. And we aim to show compassion to all that we can spend time with. We have a wonderful chance to be God in those places. And so, what about you? My starting question. Why are you here today? Do you see yourself as part of a paraclesis-style culture? Do you see your purpose as being someone who can come alongside others and show the love of Jesus to them? I think we all have it in us. And I wonder when you walk through those doors today and when you go back to whatever life brings for the rest of today and this week, is that what you'll show? There's a chap in America called um, Joel Osteen. Sometimes he's viewed as um, a, a little bit different in some of his attitudes, but this quote is great. When God puts love and compassion in your hearts towards others, he's offering you an opportunity to make a difference in their life. You must learn to follow that love. Don't ignore it. Act on it. Somebody needs what you have. Somebody needs what you've got. Somebody needs what I've got. Lots of people need Jesus Christ in their lives. Let's act on it, shall we?